Hey there, Freedom Fighters. My name is Andrew Warner. I'm the founder of Mixergy, where I interview entrepreneurs about how they built their businesses for an audience of real entrepreneurs who listen and build companies. And joining me is someone who did listen and built an incredible company. Here's the deal. I, I got to complain first, because I feel like the whole goal of entrepreneurship is to fix problems, to make the world better. And I don't, I don't know why no one did this before. And I wonder if it's if what today's guest did is as easy as it seemed to be. Couldn't have been, but I wonder why. All right, here's the deal. I remember going in San Francisco to the local CVS after leaving my doctor's office, waiting in their terrible line, keeping myself busy on the phone, get to the front of the line. I say, my doctor sent in the prescription. They say, oh yeah, we know, we need more time. I go, freaking A, what's the point of the doctor? So I come back later, they still don't have it. I have to wait, do I go home, do I not? I finally get back there, I wait in line, I get the medication, and I think this is a horrible experience. And in my mind, I'm thinking, this pharmacy, and I could, I don't know the name of them, I, I, I might have, it might have been CVS, Walgreens, I don't know what it is, it's the one that used to be on Cesar Chavez in, in the heart of San Francisco. You would think that it would be modern, it was terrible, and I went home complaining and thinking, this is a horrible experience, but we just have to live with it. Today's guest had a similar experience and said, you know what? This is a horrible experience. We've got to fix it. And I wonder, once you realize we got to fix it, modernize it, bringing it into the internet age, what's the difficulty there? Why is it that it's not as easy as have some machine spit out some pills or another human being, like see what the doctor told them to do, put it in a freaking bag and send it over to somebody's house and... It can't be that easy because today's guest is smiling at me. He built this company that when I got to my doctor here in Austin, the first thing he said was, you should use them. He said, I'm going to prescribe medication for this cough you have post-COVID. Go use capsule. And I said, why? He goes, we live in the heart of nowhere in, in Texas. Somehow capsule managed to send a delivery person to my house. He says, my wife felt so bad that they had to drive all the way out there. She apologized to them and offered them tea. And the person said, no, that's what it's about. We just want to make sure you get your medication. So I invited a founder on here, Eric Kanarawala, to talk about what it was like to build capsule and, uh, and understand how he built this business into what's now a unicorn and why he doesn't think it's just about the delivery service that I'm and my doctor are mesmerized by. And we could find out about this business thanks to two sponsors. The first I love, I use them to pay uh, my people just recently. It's called Gusto. And the second, if you're hiring developers, you're going to love them. I love this company. It's called Lemon. I'll tell you about them later. later. But first, Eric, good to have you here. Great to have Great to be here. What was your experience? Give me like your frustration and then we'll get into why what it was like to build a business. You know, it's not that, it's not that similar from your, your own experience, but I actually think the experience you described as terrible as it is, is actually probably like on the better side of what the average experience is as a consumer. I mean, there's so many other things, but my, my experience start starts, you know, not dissimilar from yours, which is I woke up one morning in January of 2015 and I had this throbbing headache and I called my doctor. Uh, and I'm like, Hey man, my head is exploding. Like, what should I do? Uh, and so he asked me a series of questions and, uh, and he, you know, at the end of that was like, don't worry about it. You've got a sinus infection. I'll, I'll call a prescription and go get it. I'm like, perfect. And I put my, I put my coat on and I went out in this snowy January day in, in New York city on the Lower East side where I used to live. And I went to this chain pharmacy and, and literally Andrew, everything you can think about going wrong, uh, for me went wrong that day, starting with like, I'm walk into this sort of drugstore and I'm meandering through the aisles of cigarettes and candy bars and cleaning supplies. And I, 
I literally can't find the pharmacy. And so finally, um, you know, this clerk comes over and is like, Hey, can I help you? Probably thinking, you know, it's like, just like a, you know, degenerate loitering. Uh, and I'm like, yeah, I'm looking for your pharmacy. And she's like, Oh, it's in the basement. I'm like, that's really weird. And so anyway, I like navigate to the back of this store. I get to the escalator. Of course it's broken. I walk down this broken escalator and I get to this dark dingy basement with, you know, 30 or 40 people in line ahead of me. Um, I'm in the basement. So my cell phone's not getting signal and I end up waiting in line for an hour and I finally get to the counter and I'm like, Hey, I, I tell this, you know, pharmacist, uh, who's very pleasant, but clearly overworked and. And I basically like my doctor called in a, a CPAP. Can I get it? Um, and so she goes back and rummages, you know, through the shelves and comes back to the counter with this like very despondent look on her face, um, which is like, I'm really sorry, we're out of stock. And I'm like, how are you out of stock? It's January. It's a ZPAC. Like it's kind of like the only thing you should have. And I was like, don't worry about it. I'll, I'll, um, you know, I'll call my doctor and I'll have him call it in somewhere else. And so as I pull my cell phone out to do this, of course, uh, my cell phone has died searching for signal in the basement for an hour. And so. I ended up going home, no medication in hand, go to bed. I woke up the next morning and I had one of those moments I think a lot of entrepreneurs have, which is just kind of like, what just happened? What is going on? How does all this work? And that was really the catalyst for me to just start really unpacking my own experience um, with the pharmacy. And, and so what I learned, you know, I learned a lot, but I, uh, probably the most unfortunate thing I learned was that rather than my that that sequence of events being some sort of like very aberrant exceptional case, I learned that that was actually kind of par for the course. Um, and so I got just fascinated and enamored with understanding the why behind all the things. Like, why do you, why is the average wait time an hour? Like, why is my medication out of stock 40% of the time? Why is, why why, is the medication out yeah, of stock 40% of the time? Seriously. Yeah, yeah it's just, it's like, it's, why, why don't I know the price? And no, what did you learn? It? Yeah. Uh, I learned the medication out of stock. We're talking about something like you said, basic. And frankly, they have locations everywhere. They don't run out of cigarettes. They don't run out of Tylenol. They don't run out of Band-Aids. Why do they run out of basic medication? Is it that the inventory is so big? Well, different things. So one is the technology piece for sure. Um, and so, you know, tr the conventional pharmacies don't have, you know, they're not, they're not using lemon to hire, you know, A plus developer yeah. talent. Um, and they don't have, you know, they don't have the, what you'd expect, you know, modern predictive inventory. So that's one of the things. Um, and the other thing is that, you know, if you think about having a store on literally every street corner, the first thing you think about doing is like, well, how do I carry less inventory? Cause it's expensive. Mm. Um, and so when you combine those two things, um, and I think the technology piece is really important. Um, you know, that's one of the things is that, uh, you know, it's that you, you just don't have the, you just don't have the things that, that you need um, when people need them. So it's, it's worse than your experience, which is, you got lucky they had your thing in stock, but imagine you, your doctor wrote it, you went there, it's not ready, you went back, you waited in line, and then they tell you don't have it, um, or something went wrong with your insurance, um, or there was some, there's so many things that, that Eric, that wrong. happened to me the other day. I said, okay, so this is just me saying, I want to be more like whatever is going on in Texas. So the next thing I did with when I, when I got here was I tried to drive through. I said, everything's drive through in Texas. I moved from San Francisco where you walk to let's drive through. I drove through. They didn't have it. They made me wait. I went to radio coffee. I sat for an hour while they prepared my prescription. Then I came back and I got it. Next time I said, you know what? I'm going to try the thing that's in Target. Target's professional. They got a good operation. I go in there. They can't make my insurance work. I go back again. Anyway, this thing goes on forever. Here's the thing that I wonder though. Why isn't it as easy as Eric goes and buys a local pharmacy in the city 
and then make sure that he spends extra money on stock, hires a few delivery people, doesn't have to be delivered within an hour. Nobody, hardly anyone ever needs medication right now. Just make sure that he has delivery maybe by six o'clock every day. Is it as easy as that? Could you have just said, I see the problem. I'm going to go and buy a pharmacy and hire some delivery people. Boom, done in every city and we're, we're good to go. I think one of the things, it's a good, really good question. I, I think one of the things that people miss, and you've seen a lot of companies come and go in this category over the last five or six years. And I think you'll see more people kind of look at how big, you know, it's a $425 billion industry. It's the second largest category of retail in America, and it's the most frequent interaction point in healthcare. So I think you'll see a lot of people look at this problem. I think it's so intuitive for people. Everyone's had some format of a shitty trip to the drugstore. And, uh, and so I think you'll see a lot of people kind of say, gosh, like I should be able to solve this. And I think what's really interesting and unique is that when you start really peeling back the layers of all of the complexity, uh, in this industry, I think you start realizing one, you know, why, and that was really where I had spent my time after my own experience, just trying to like fundamentally understand why, why is it, how does all of this work? Um, because it's very opaque, right? You can't, you can't really Google like how do pharmacies work or how do pharmacy benefit managers work or how do all this stuff work? It's really understanding all those things. And I think through that, you know, what we've seen is like companies come and go because people think the problem to solve is delivery. And the fundamental understanding I think that we had in our view and what I think is unique about the way we've built the business over the last six or seven years is that it's not, the delivery isn't really the problem to solve. I think delivery is table stakes for every modern retailer. So whatever, whatever the thing is that you're trying to purchase, you were very quickly, if not already, going to be able to open your phone and have somebody bring you that, whether that's in an hour or two hours or three hours or before 6 p.m. or whatever. I think the quality of the delivery, the cost of that delivery, the consistency, the safety will be different. But the simple act of being having somebody bring something to your home or your office is going to be relatively commoditized. What's not going to be commoditized um, is the end-to-end -end experience of having frictionless healthcare. Um, and that's everything from... How does my insurance work to what's a deductible to helping find coupons to get the best price to making sure someone coordinates with my doctor and my insurance company so I don't run out of medications. Um, and then it's building tools to support that doctor and that insurance company and that drug company to help them be more successful. But I think th that end to end experience is so incredibly complex because there's so many permutations of things that, you know, aren't straightforward and then building the technology to be able to, to solve all that in a really simple and easy way is, is why you can't just go buy a pharmacy and add some couriers to it. I see. You're saying I don't just want to deliver from a local pharmacy and be the best delivery guy in the planet for, for medication. I want to build a whole new experience around medication and health. Okay. All right. So let's go. And that's, and that's why we have our own pharmacies uh, and we have all of our own software that we built and all the delivery personnel are our guys and they're background checked and HIPAA trained and drug tested. We own end to end every part of that consumer experience. You're putting some medication in a, in a car with a driver. You want to make sure that they're not going through it and pick, got it. All right. Let's go back then to what you did. So you're a guy who worked at Bain Capital, Perry Capital. You've got experience um, in finance. What's the first step when you decided, I think I'm going to do this? Did you start studying the space? Did you see if you could bring somebody on board to partner up with you? Uh, all of the things. I mean, the first thing for me was I wanted to validate that this wasn't just some quirk of quirk of my own experience. 
and so I did something really simple, which is I just started calling and texting my friends. And I said, hey, tell me about the last time you went to the pharmacy. Uh, and I started getting just constant, you know, I just started getting like very consistent answers from my friends, which is like, oh, it's terrible. And X, Y, Z thing happened, right? They didn't have it. I had to go back. I had to take my insurance. They closed. The line was long, like whatever. The, the you know, they were shouting over the lo- loudspeaker about my, you know, hernia cream, like what, you know, whatever, all of the things that's not, that's that are painful. Right. They don't do that. Uh, and that is something that people told me, right? They, they, they will tell you, you know, over the loudspeaker that your prescription is ready because they want you wandering around the store. But that was the first thing I did. And then, and then I started, it was interesting was one of those friends happened to be a doctor and, and he was basically like, listen, sure. I'll tell you about my own experience using the pharmacy, but let me actually tell you about my experience as a doctor and my staff. And we interact with the pharmacy 20 or 30 times a day. And I'm like, oh, that's really interesting. Um, and then I started chatting with folks that run insurance companies and uh, and run drug companies. Um, and they all started echoing the same thing, which is the way this thing is set up isn't helping me take care of the people I need to take care of. And so once I had sort of an understanding of how the industry works, why there are all of these friction points and a perspective on, okay, well, I've got the benefit of a blank sheet of paper. I don't have 10,000 stores. I don't have anything. We got an idea and a problem I'm trying to solve. Um, and sort of designing like, well, what do I think this could look like? And then understanding why can't it be this way? You know, are there regulatory barriers? Are there tech barriers? Are there just things in the industry that would preclude you from building this this really ideal experience? An and, example of an ideal experience that you discovered couldn't be done. What's a what's an aspect of it that could be done? Uh, an aspect of it that can't be done is uh, you can't charge people whatever price you want. The insurance company sets the price for your medications. Okay. So that would be you like, said, what if I could just have easy, clear pricing and you discovered you can't do that because the insurance companies dictate the price. Right. So what we did do is we built price transparency into the experience in the app. Um, so we don't set the prices, but we do do an incredible job of two things. One is just making sure you know actually what the price is before you get your medications. And the second is we built out a proprietary database of coupons that drug companies offer uh, and automatically apply those um, to help bring the price of those medications down, right? So it was sort of, that was one example of, yeah, in an ideal world, you would control all of that. Um, but we, you know, we believe people should use insurance for their medications. Uh, and so we, what we did was we took the experience today and made it 10 times better. But, but still what I think is not, you know, exactly what you'd want if you had full control over it. Okay, so once you once you do that what's the next step was it hiring um was it partnering up with sonia the pharmacist yeah yeah so the first so yeah for then from there it's like okay i understand the problems how do you solve it and i think very early on to the point you just made you know my belief was that if you're going to make this better you need to own all of the experience including building a pharmacy building the software for the pharmacy it's you know not it's not not Postmates for prescriptions, right? Let's not hire a bunch of couriers and build an app and go pick them up from CVS and drop them off. That already exists. You could have Postmates do that or when Postmates is around, you could have them do that. Why is that not good enough? It's because delivery is not the problem. The problem is all these other things. You're still not solving in-stock medications. You're not solving price transparency. You're not solving access to a pharmacist, right? You have a question about the medication that you just got. Can I take this with an iron supplement? Can I take this while I'm pregnant? Can I have two shots of tequila on this? Like what... You know, what are what are all of the things that happen? It, it, you know, getting your medications 
is so different from buying books or batteries. Um, it's it, There's so much more human element wrapped around it. You know, um, I guess I never realized that people do that. I would always ask my doctor and assume the pharmacist is just like the packaging person. But that's not the way people treat their pharmacists, is it? So it's so interesting. This is one of the big learnings. And so the first thing I did was like, we need to build a pharmacy. To build a pharmacy, you need a pharmacist. Uh, and I was fortunate enough to get reconnected to to Sonia, who is an amazing pharmacist. She graduated top of her class at UT Austin uh, in, the, in in pharmacy school. And um, and we built this experience around this idea around, you know, just talking about what's the ideal experience. The ideal experience is this idea that if your mom were a pharmacist uh, and you were the only person she was taking care of, like, what would that experience look like if it was one-to-one? Well, it's like, well, I could text my mom. My mom would find the best price for me. She would make sure I knew all the side effects. She'd coordinate with the doctor and never make sure I never ran out. And of course, she'd like bring it to my house. Um, and that's that's been the North Star around like, what is the brand? What is the experience? What should that feel like? Is that one-to-one relationship with 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 a pharmacist. Um, and so that's, that's kind of what that's, that's been the North star and that's what we've kind of built the experience around. Okay. So how do you know what's Sonia's last name? I keep forgetting. I keep Patel. thinking of Sonia Patel. I keep thinking of her as Doogie Hauser because apparently that's how you refer to her. Why do you call her Doogie Hauser? Uh, she was the youngest person to graduate, uh, out of her pharmacy class. So I, I started joking about that and, uh, and a reporter picked it up and, and printed a headline around it. So it's just, still- it's super catchy. Um, so that in my head, she's just a Sonia Doogie Hauser like that. Um, in my head, too. The kid from uh, the TV show who became a doctor as a teenager or something. All right. So you, how do you know her? Uh, we, we, we met in 2005. Uh, and we've got um, just mutual friends that are really close to both of us. And, and we got uh, reconnected when, when I was building Capsule. All right. There's more to the story where you're smiling. Just- there, is, there is no more to that story. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So you talk to her. The, do you partner up like equal 50-50? Is that too personal to ask? Uh, it's not too personal to ask. Um, I had already raised a bunch of the money um, when when I asked Sonia to join the team. Okay. Uh, and so she's been an, a really important part. You got to have a, a, a kick-ass pharmacist to build um, an amazing pharmacy. And, uh, and she has been nothing but that. How much did you have before you raised money? Was it an idea with a plan? Was it something else? It was, you know, a very well thought out plan and understanding of the consumer and how you go to market and, and all those things. But ultimately, it's a business that needs you know, you need capital. You got to build a pharmacy. Uh, you got to sign a lease. Um, and as much as I think, you know, as much as I think I'm convincing, turns out New York, New York City landlords want uh, a little bit more than my big idea to, okay. to sign a lease. Why did you decide to build a pharmacy instead of buying one of the local ones? We wanted to understand everything. You know, one of the benefits of building from scratch is we very quickly understood every single aspect of the pharmacy, the physical mechanics of it, uh, the technology aspects of it, the regulatory aspects of it. There's something very different when you build something from scratch versus buying something, right? It's the difference between making dinner and and buying dinner. Um, You understand all of the little nuances of what goes Uh into it and how to make all of those little friction points better. Uh, and that's really, that's really what, you know, capsule, there's no, there's no silver bullet. One of the things people always ask me is like, I used capsule. It's amazing. I love it. It was so seamless. Um, every part of it feels so simple and easy. Like, how'd you do it? 
And there's no like magic answer. There's no like, oh, we solved this like one thing. And that was the whole thing. When you're building it yourself, what's one thing that you know? And by the way, let me take a moment here and say, my interview is sponsored by Lemon.io. I'm actually not going to charge them for this ad because I think it's just going to end up being too short. I just want you to know if you're out there hiring developers, they have phenomenal developers inexpensively because they get them from Eastern Europe. And you don't even have to hire. Just go to Lemon.io slash Mixergy. And they will tell you about the developers they have. And you could decide whether you want to hire or not. If you don't like them, you just move on. If you do, because use my URL, you'll get a really good discount. Lemon.io slash Mixergy. Grateful to them for sponsoring. I should have done a longer ad so I can charge them, but I got to keep going here, Eric. So then what's, as you're building it yourself, what's one example of something that you discovered? Sure. How often can you get drugs delivered for inventory? You know, it's your... Is there, can you build that real time? What, you know, how do you make that predictive? How do you partner with different wholesalers to do that? That would be one example of something. Okay. Um, how do you process insurance claims? Why are they set up the way they are? How do you make that better? Like all of the things that, you know, from the ground up that you'd want to learn. How should the pharmacy be laid out? What's the right layout for a pharmacy? Because most pharmacies get laid out uh, for people to walk into them. Uh, so how do you, what's the optimal way to build a pharmacy that's not really geared toward the predominant mode being walk-in. There's so many little nuances that you get just from building both the physical space, but more importantly, the software that powers all of that um, from scratch. You just really understand what the the best way for a pharmacist to be able to focus on, you know, one of the things I was going to say when we're talking about Sonia is, and and you kind of mentioned it, you know, pharmacists go to school for six years. They are just shy of uh, what medical doctors go to school for, and they get a pretty bad rap because they're behind the counter and people are asking to check out toilet paper in aisle five. And one of the reasons pharmacists really love working at Capsule is because we let them spend more time actually doing the things they train to do, which is being experts in medication and counseling and guiding people on their medication regimen. So how do you build software that lets the pharmacist do those things versus being focused on um, you know all the other things that they might have to do because they're in this sort of retail environment. I always say pharmacists are guilty by association because they they, you know, they they look like checkout clerks, except they are, you know, highly, highly educated folks. And they are checkout clerks. You really could, if you want to circumvent the line at local big chain pharmacy, totally take your stuff to the pharmacist, and they'll check out whatever you've got—your potato yeah. chips, your whatever. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, letting pharmacists and enabling and empowering pharmacists to do the things that they love doing and why they spend so much time training to be experts in medication and to partner with doctors to do that, right? Because doctors aren't experts in all medications um, and the best relationships between a pharmacist and a doctor is when they're collaborating on what's the right therapy for this patient and and, and both both people are contributing to that. Why do you even want to have a, a physical retail location? Why not say we're not going to let anyone in? That means we can go to some random part of New York City where no one's going to be there anyway. We can get a low price on rent and our drivers will maybe have two extra blocks to go, but it's fine. We've got a variety of, yeah, I mean, we're in, you know, we're in dozens and dozens and dozens of places. We have dozens and dozens and dozens of locations across the U.S. Uh, and we have a mix. We have some things that are right in the city center uh, and that are really nice ways to create awareness um, for people about our brand and, and our offering. And we've got places that are uh, a little bit more optimized for logistics. Uh, and there's just a spread, you know, just as you think about the breadth. It seems like that was important to you. I've seen photos of it. So it's kind of yeah. nice to see it in like Business Insider to see what the location looks like. But yeah. from your point of view, it seems like that was an important aspect. Why? I think anytime you're trying to get people to do something new, trust is a, a really important part. And when you think about this category, uh, this isn't 
again, this isn't getting a burrito delivered where if something gets screwed up, somebody can give you a $20 credit and you'll try it again. Uh, this is something you're putting in your body. It's something you're putting in your kid's body. And so I think trust is is really, really important. Uh, and we think trust is, you know, of course, trust one just comes from consistently doing what you say you're going to do and delivering on that promise. Uh, but trust also comes from brand and being visible and credible. Uh, and so I think both of the things were really important to us uh, as we were getting the, the business off the ground. You know what? I guess I just think about this so differently when you talk about trust. I was looking at the reviews on on the App Store. Reviews are phenomenal. 4.9 out of 5 um, thousands of reviews. But this, the third review that I saw was someone who said, I was heading to use as my meds are so important. But with the customer support being on text, it's so easy and so on. And I thought, well, I don't give it. I guess I just don't think about this stuff. I just assume they're going to get it right and move on with my life. And I guess for some people, this person has bipolar, is bipolar. So um, I guess for them, it's super important. And maybe they've had some bad experiences with the medication they got. But it's, it's I mean, one of the things is that, you know, 70% of American adults go to the pharmacy at least once a month. And, you know, different people have different use cases for it. But what we find is the vast majority of people that use capsule use it month in, month out to get and manage the medications they need to stay healthy. Mm. Um, whether those are mental health drugs, whether they're hormonal drugs, whether they're heart pressure, blood pressure, you know, all those things. Uh, and so it's a really important, it's really important that, um, that, you know, that we're consistently excellent at, at what we do. Because people depend on us to stay healthy. How much did you raise in order to build that first location? Uh, the first, um, the first dollars in we raised were $4 million. Uh, and there's about 600 million over the last, uh, six or seven years into the business. And was this back when you were in the WeWork in the financial district that you raised? This was back in the WeWork. Yeah. So it was you sitting there working through your idea, raising money, built, then using $4 million to open up the first store, hire people and hire some couriers. And then how long did it take you to be up and running? So we spent the first year building the brand, building the team, building the technology platform, building the physical pharmacy, regulatory permits, you know, all of those things. Uh, and then we launched the business in New York in May of 2016. Uh, so it was a, a fairly, you know, there's a there's just a lot of infrastructure you got to build to be able to deliver a, a good experience out of the gate. Go for an MVP to say we want to test to see to learn whatever it is so we can adjust. And I see you smiling. So if not, yeah, um, I'm not saying that that would have been the right way. I just want to understand why an MVP yeah. wouldn't have been better. It's a really good question. Um, and it's fine. Okay. I think it kind of ties back to that review you just read, right? Like people don't. You can MVP certain things. People don't want their health MVP. Uh, so hey, I, I take three drugs and I need them all the time um, to stay healthy. Cool. My MVP only lets you have one. Um, hey, insurance only works 50% of the time. I'm only going to be on time half the time. Right. I think one of the things with digital health and healthcare in general and healthcare tech startups is that it's the, the standard of what you need to, to come out with is just higher because it's people's health. Um, and because some of these things are have really big repercussions for getting wrong. Um, and, and so I think that by and large, I'm such a big believer in start narrow, start small, test, iterate your way to the answer. And we try to do that wherever we can. But we also will never do that when there's, you know, even a minuscule chance that it's going to put someone's health uh, at risk. And so that's a that's a really important thing. And, and I think when we look at what we're doing 
that maybe is different from what other companies in digital health have done. This is one of the big differences in terms of our long-term ambition. You know, we've never, we've never tried to slice off some narrow category or some yeah. narrow vertical of it. Um, we, we never said, oh, you know, it's too hard to do everything. Um, so let's not do that. Like we've been really focused on like, well, to really solve the underlying problem, you need to take insurance and you need to take a lot of different kinds of insurance and you need to do all medication. You need to do all of these things that actually solve the fundamental problem. So we're not just focused on hair loss medications and we're not just focused on a certain segment of the population. We're not just focused on fertility drugs. Like we do everything um, and we take everyone's insurance. And, and really, I think that's how you can fundamentally solve the problem versus just slicing off some narrow thing. It's a lot harder to do uh, and it's a lot more expensive to do. But ultimately, I think your ability to solve a bigger problem and to have a, a bigger and more successful business is, is worth all those investments. And what was it about you that allowed investors to put up $4 million and wait a year for the software to be right, which we know software takes a long time and it takes some iteration. Physical locations are a whole other business. To combine both of those with the health industry, which is a whole set of issues on its own, why do you think they trusted you? I think fundamentally it's... um. I think it's a, it's a problem that everyone can relate to, uh, and it's and it's a problem that's worthy of solving. And so I think those two things, right? Like one is just sort of uh, one is everyone can relate to that experience, and everyone wants it to be better. Um, and I think when people start understanding why uh, the experience is awful and what it takes to do it, um, I think that either some folks get really nervous, like "Wow, that's really hard, not for me," and other people get really excited, like "Wow, like." if you can really solve this and make this better, there's such a big opportunity to one, make people's lives better, but two, to build a really, really big business. Um, and then the third thing is we built a really great team. I mean, the early team, I mean, the team now, you know, the, the team every year is better than the year before, but our early team was, um, and is, and, and many of us are still on the team, which is absolutely awesome. Even and I think ultimately- we Before you raise money, you've had yeah. a team of people, you said, you're not investing in me, Eric, in a concept capsule. You're investing in this team that's going to build the store, yeah. Built. So what, how'd you get the developers who are going to be on board for, for this? Who were they? How'd you get um, the people who were the right people to build a pharmacy? Sure. Uh, so Sonia built the pharmacy. Uh, she's a pharmacist. And she built the pharmacy from scratch and worked with from scratch. You know, all she of our... For, what was, what's that big firm that she worked for that she did a... She just worked at Walmart. Um, okay. From uh, scratch, she, but she never built a pharmacy before. Never Are built a pharmacy before. consultants who do this so that she knows from experience what she wants and consultants can help start? I think part of being an early stage entrepreneur and being an early stage founding team is that you're resourceful um, and you figure out the things that you don't know how to do very, very quickly. And so she did that. Um, we had a guy named Tim Better, who was our uh, first CTO. He was you know, one of the first two or three folks at Foursquare, if you remember Foursquare back in New York, sort of tech yeah. darling. Um, and he built, you know, him and, and some of the folks that he recruited built out the first version of our consumer app, all of the internal software. Uh, we had some folks on the marketing team that helped build the brand. Uh, and so we had a, had a you know, design product, you know, all of those things um, it really came together with a, with a really fantastic, I think, first thing that we launched with. And I think we got, you know, I think lucky or good, the first product that we put out in the world, uh, you know, you're kind of holding your breath. It's like, wow, I've been building this thing for a year. I hope somebody likes it. Uh, and and so I think that all of that hard work and effort paid off because I think the first thing that we launched with um, really kind of hit the nail on the head. And people people were using it and liking it and trusting it. 
Uh, and that was kind of a really amazing moment. Your friends, it was just you and your friends, friends and family, family, just getting their medication for how long, a couple of months from the app. Yeah, I'd say it was a couple of months that we um, had it just quietly with friends and family before we kind of opened it up to, uh, you know, a broader, a broader set of folks. Okay. And then when it was time to go, you then needed to grow beyond friends and family. What did you do to get the early users? A lot of the early users were, um, it was organic. It was word of mouth. You know, people really loved the experience and they were sharing it with their friends and their, and their family. And so it sort of like very organically started growing. And then some of those folks happened to be doctors and doctors started using it for themselves. And then they were like, this is fantastic. I should probably be recommending it to my patients. Uh, and so we then started having doctors recommending it to their patients. And that was sort of the early um, way the business grew. And then we started creating more awareness through paid marketing. Uh, and we started basically realizing that, you know, doctors really do want uh, to have an easy way to recommend this to their patients. And so um, we built out a team to go help educate doctors and their staff about how Capsule works and the merits of, you know, Capsule, not only for their patients, but also we built a number of tools for doctors to make the doctor's lives and workflows easier. Because one of the, yeah, well, one of the things that's really interesting is uh, anything that goes wrong for you at the pharmacy counter eventually rolls back into your doctor's lap, right? Even by my own experience, the first thing I tried to do while I was in line was call my doctor, uh, and and so helping the doc deal with those things and making her life easier is, is also a really important part of what we do. You know what? It wasn't until my doctor said capsule that I recognized it. And when I told my wife that I was going to talk to you today, she said, oh, yeah, I see their ads all the time. And I realized I see your ads all the time, too. And for some reason, it didn't click until the doctor said, do you want your medication to go to capsule? And so I can see that that would help. When you say that you started going out and talking to them, what did you do to let them know? What was what's the plan with the team for introducing them to capsule? Um, I think it's it's really just introducing, like anything, it's just introducing the product and the services we have for consumers and for doctors and helping them understand how easy it is uh, for them to prescribe the capsule. We were already in their computer system. They don't need to do anything special. Uh, and, and you know, a little bit of it, just educating how they should talk about it with their patients, right? Like, is it they have all like the where, when I used to sit at doctor's offices and I would see the salespeople wait to go see the doctor and then they'd go in and give them a couple of things. Is it those types of people they would go in? Uh, we try to be more efficient than that. So we try to we try to you know have set time with physicians to go to go speak with them. And then uh, take your, but yeah, to your meeting you just schedule a time yeah. with them. Say we're coming in. Okay. What fails for getting customers? not 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 a hundred like right. everything in life? Not a hundred out of a hundred. But I think doctors generally really they feel the brunt of it, right? I mean, kind of back to the back to kind of one of the things I learned in the early days was you might go to the pharmacy as a consumer once or twice a month. Um, but as a doctor, you're dealing with a pharmacy 20 or 30 times a day. And so the ability for the doctor to streamline all of these things that happen, um, they're very receptive and they're, they're wanting, um, you know, they're wanting a better way, not only for their consumers, but for them and their staff as well. I see. And so you're reaching out to them saying, we have this pharmacy that's what's, do you remember the phrasing that worked for getting them to be interested or what was the, how you described the problem that got them interested in your solution? Oh, there's so many problems for doctors. It's not just like the same way with consumers. It's wait times and it's out of stocks and it's price transparency and it's access to advice. 
for doctors, it's insurance complications and refills and, you know, my patient went to the pharmacy and they're out of stock and now they're calling me and trying to help have me help them find another pharmacy that has in stock rates. So it's all, it's like a whole kind of naughty ball of things uh, that, that are high friction for the doc. And so being able to kind of understand, you know, not every doc has the same set of problems. So, you know, what's the thing that really matters to that doctor and, and then aligning, you know, one of the product or service features that we have with, you know, with that. And how did you find out those problems? Because it is interesting, actually. I think about your only customer being me, the end consumer, but it's also the doctor. What do you do? Yeah, and, the, and it's the insurance company and it's the health system and it's a lot. We sit in the middle of, you know, a, a lot of the healthcare. I, like, this is probably pretty, I think, generic advice that I'm sure a lot of your other guests give on the early stage, but I think you just got to, you just got to listen and be really curious and just keep asking questions till you understand. Um, and I think so much of that is just being incredibly close to the customer, whoever that customer is. And so that's one of the big things at Capsule as we scale the business is just making sure that we are always, always, always in the mind of the customer and understanding and anticipating their needs. So how do we make your life better? And this was you calling up the doctor, Eric, finding out I'm the founder. I want to understand what's going on, that type of thing. In the earliest days, for sure. I think as a founder, you need to have your pulse on what the problem you're trying to solve. Have conviction that's the right, you know, not only the right problem to solve, but also that we're, you know, heading and developing and iterating on the right solution. We of course have a, a, a big team now that that does that day in day out. All right. Second sponsor, Gusto. This one I got to do it right. Here's why, dude, Eric. I had uh, the woman who you talked to, the producer. She sent me a bill. She said, Andrew, here's last month's bill. I just went into Gusto, I typed in the amount, I hit send, I got this beautiful screenshot that said, you did it, Andrew. And I sent her the screenshot because it looks so beautiful to say done. And in the past, I realized whenever a contractor would send me a bill, I would hesitate for a little bit because it's such a pain to pay them. It's such a pain to navigate to the right screen, to make sure you're doing it right. Gusto makes it so freaking easy. So they're inexpensive, it's like $6 to add each new contractor. They handle everything, but more than all that, they make it super easy. And yes, they work with people internationally now. Yes, they work with full-time employees. But I find that if you could pay someone who's a contractor quickly and make it easy for you, you're not going to hesitate and they're going to be happy to get the payment fast and clearly. And the whole thing done beautifully well. Not just that, even when I needed her to sign the, you know, the tax paperwork that you need to sign in order to start collecting payment, that was not me collecting her, her um her social security information, which I don't want to touch. It was the software, sending it out, boom. Anyway, it's beautiful. I highly recommend them. I've talked about them for a long time. Even if you've used a different payroll service company, even if you only have contractors, even if you, even if, even if you, all those things, they will help you. They even, oh, sorry, one last thing. When I signed up with them, Eric, I was a little worried because I'd been with someone else and like everything was so frustrating. They had a phone number. So I called it up. I started talking to the guy, Duncan, and he and I were chatting. And I said, would you just stay on the phone with me while I fill in the form? He goes, sure. He says on the phone. And at some point I realized, okay, this is kind of dopey. I don't really need you. I got this. And I just filled it out quickly. The point is, Duncan had a lot of patience for me and he was there and the software was so good. I didn't even need them. We should all build software that good. All right. If you want to try them for free right now, you can go to gusto.com slash Mixergy. They'll give you a free, a little free time to use them. But frankly, they're so inexpensive. You're not going to think about money when it comes to them. You're going to think about how happy you are, how happy your 
team is, I was going to say employees, but it's everyone on your team is to not just get paid properly, not just get all their tax paperwork in right, but also have a clear dashboard that shows what's going on and a good company standing behind them. Gusto.com slash Mixergy. That's an ad worth charging for, right, Eric? That's a good one. I've heard it's a great product. It's a great product. Um, you got to feel so proud when the thing is good, don't you? That's the motivating thing. I think building something that's delightful and easy that people genuinely like using. And Gus is a good example of that. You know, something as prosaic as payroll, um, but being able to make it so simple and easy. And we think about that same thing with pharmacy. It's in some ways such a prosaic thing. What's the point of delight now with Capsule? I actually, I haven't thought about this stuff in a long time, but I used to spend a lot of time thinking about where those little points where you could delight people without them expecting it like that hotel chain that would give you a cookie when you came in. I thought, I don't even like cookies, but I love them for offering me one. Yeah. Um, I think it's so many things. I mean, I think the human interaction that we've done and the way we've built the, the way we've built the brand and deliver the brand through the people you interact with. So when you text capsule, when you chat with capsule, when you call capsule, it's, you know, hopefully a similar experience that you had with Duncan, um, someone's on the phone, you know, patient helping you understand, you know, all the complexities of, of, your insurance and your your medications and all of those things so you feel looked after if i dial uh, the number right now on your website there'll be someone there someone should pick up yeah let's see can i do it right now if you want let's see if we can hear from my ipad if i call them in the middle of the night will there be someone there uh there's usually somebody there at 8 a.m to 10 p.m all right i'll lower the volume is it weird that I'm doing it? Do you feel a little anxious? I feel a little anxious. No. I don't feel anxious. Oh. Hello. Hello? Hi. Um, my name is Andrew. Actually, I realize I'm on another call, so I'm, I'll have to call back. But I appreciate you taking my call. Thank you for being there. I didn't realize it'd be a real human being there. Okay. Thanks. I see what you mean. Um. So I see, <laughs> now I want to do the same thing with CVS. Let's find this, the number for CVS. CVS Pharmacy. Can I find their phone number? I can't find their phone number. I know they have it because when I needed a COVID test, we got it, but they weren't picking up. All right, we got a sense of what it's like. Let's talk about the team. One of the issues with hiring people who are really good at what they do is that they've done it so much and they could start reproducing the things that happened before. You told our producer that you wanted to make sure that you balance having experience so you're not just figuring everything out for the first time with having a new like perspective on things so you're not reproducing what existed in the pharmacies before Capsule came around. How did you do that? We use this phrase, and one of the things that I think we did a really good job in the early days was just reinforcing this idea of same input, same outputs, right? So if you keep doing the same thing, you're going to get the same thing. Uh, and that's true. You know, it's a kind of a very general truism, but, uh, but I think when it's applied to you know, any, any sort of company or industry where you're operating within the, you know, where you're operating within an established industry and you're trying to do something different, uh, and you see this in financial services all the time, right? All these fintech companies um, that that are you know growing and scaling. I think there's a balance between same inputs and same outputs, and and I think we did a really good job in the early days of foundationally building the DNA of the company built around the consumer and the customer, and solving the customer problem, 
and and in some ways it's such a because the industry's been around for 50 or 100 years and hasn't had that much innovation people that come from that conventional industry they forget all the first principles things because those businesses are so scaled they're optimizing things where people kind of it's it's sort of like why do we do that and you just ask these very fundamental questions that no one's ever asked because people don't have the space time or incentive to do those things and i think it all goes back to you know, how do you make sure your company stays first principles as you yourself start growing the business and people don't in, inside of capsule say well, why do we do that we'll think oh what do you mean? we started doing that by what's an example of a first principle when it comes to pharmacy um what's a good example of a first principle what needs to be on the prescription label I, I, you know if you look at the walgreens label the cbs label the walmart label they're not all the same and yet if you had never thought about that if you had never basically said i'm designing the label from scratch which the bottle looked like you would never think about that but if you do you realize that there's uh actually a lot of complexity in the label and there's not you know all those labels aren't the same and so you have room to say well what is what is what information should be on the label and what's the right way of displaying it and what's easy for the what's easy for the customer to do that so um and principle that allows you to figure out the answer to what should be on a label it should always be you know there's a regulatory piece for sure right so there's what are, what are the guardrails like what do you have to do uh from a safety regulatory perspective and then it's all about what's the right thing for the customer what is going to make the customer uh what is going to make the customer's life better and easier and simpler uh, and that's the guy you know that. it's coming in and checking because I I never think about the label. I've been trained yeah. to ignore my label. So if you yeah. come over and you say, Andrew, what would you like on the label? I I don't know what I would say. It's less what you would like on the label. It's yeah. more about what do you understand about the label. Where did your eyes go for the first time? What do you when you look at the label? What's the first information you're looking at? Right. So it's a good question. Like, what do people look at on prescription labels? Are they looking at the name of the drug? Are they looking at the uh, you know, are they looking at the name of the drug? Are they looking at the strength? Are they looking for, um, are they looking at, you know, who is the medication for? Because you've got a medicine cabinet full of things. Are you looking for how many refills you have left? Are you looking for when it expires? Like, what is the information? So that you know all of that. For? You can't just go in and ask me as the, the customer. Yeah, that's why you, know, you use your research and get so, close to the customer and understand, you know, what are the things that people, you know, can you are, teach are me how to do for? that? Like, what's your approach for understanding your customer well enough to predict what she needs to see on her on her pill bottle? I think it's two things. I think one is a really good question. It's two things. One is you have to um, one is you have to just listen and ask the customer and then you have to keep asking why you have to keep asking why. And it's a simple thing, right? I mean, it's not my framework, but this this idea of continuing to ask why until you get to some fundamental truth that you that you can understand. Uh, and then how do you see the pattern across, you know, a number of conversations that you're having to really kind of understand, okay, what, what are, you know, what is human, what is like the fundamental behavior here as to, you know, as to why, I mean, e-commerce is a really good example, right? When you look at a checkout flow, um, there's been probably like more work done on iterating on e-commerce checkout flows in tech than, you know, maybe anything else in the history of like the internet. And, you know, it's, it's the same thing. How do you fundamentally understand like, what are people trying to do? What's the job they're trying to do? And then how do you, how do you provide them the tools or the simplicity to get that done? Just to see what that's like. So if you say, Andrew, what do you want to see on a label? My first, yeah. 
I probably wouldn't do that. I'd probably put I'd probably put something in front of you. Oh. I put multiple things in front of you, and I'd say, "What's the first thing you looked at? Why? Okay, okay tell me more about that. Put another design at you. What, you know, what's the first thing your eye went at? Okay, I want to understand you. What is your medicine cabinet like? Is it just you with your medications? Does your wife take medications? Do you have it's family. What problem? Do you have to hear? I, you have to discover. I have to let you tell me the problem, and I have to be listening for you to articulate that problem because you don't know what your right. Most people can't. Sometimes you can say, "Yeah, my problem is, you know, X," and you can go solve it. But more often than not, the most interesting problems and the most elegant solutions to those problems are the problems you didn't know you even had. Um, and I'm sure you know Gusto is a good example of that, right? Like you didn't know that you wanted to be so simple, easy, and delightful to have that screen that you could screenshot. But then you realize that, oh, that is a problem I had. I, I wanted a confirmation of the thing I was doing or, you know, or whatever. Right? So right. Like uncovering the problems you don't know you have and solving those for you uh, is the thing that, that we have to get really good at. Improving the pharmaceutical experience is a problem I didn't realize I had. My, yeah. my reaction to that was always take less medicine, get less sick, and stop coming back in here. Like stop being a wuss and going to the doctor, stop being unhealthy and needing to go see the doctor in the first place. That's always been my reaction to the whole pharmaceutical experience sucks. I didn't even think, hey, you know what? This could be fixed because I was blind to the problem. Yeah, look, I think I think it's a the pharmacy has been something that people have been resigned to a media for experience for for 100 years. And so it's something that you kind of when you start talking about it, you realize how frustrating and high friction it is, but it's something that you didn't know there was a better way or there could be a better way. I wonder, you grew up in Detroit, you built websites, e-commerce sites for people, what, as a kid and as a teenager? Yeah, I did. Did that help you out in thinking through problems, thinking through design? What impact, what, what did you do and what impact did it have on you? Yeah, I think first, you know, first internet wave, um, had a small business that would helping local merchants get online uh, and building, you know, the kind of very first wave of e-commerce websites. And it taught me a lot. It taught me all the things about starting your own business. Like how much should I charge this person? Like, how do I, how do I make sure that I do a really good job and they're really happy? So they recommend me to somebody else. So I have, you know, more business. How do I learn to do things I don't know how to do? How do you code HTML? How do you start coding? You know, what's the right checkout flow? What's the right software tool? Like, you know, all of the things that are involved in starting yeah. a company. I think mean, you've learned those in a really kind of atomic bundle um, doing that. And so uh, I've always been interested in, I think that was for sure for me, have always been interested in consumer behavior. Um, and and one of the reasons I think generally, you know, consumer commerce has, has been fascinating for me for a long period of time. What are some of, what are some of the things that stick out for you when you were building those early sites? For me, the, when I was, I did email marketing first. And the thing that stood out for me was if you could just offer a guarantee, make it as good as you want, no one's going to take advantage of it. It's like a nine, we were selling nine, $10 products. Offer an unbelievable guarantee. No one's going to take advantage of it. It's only nine, $10. They'll just, even if it sucks, they'll just forget about it or say, or just be angry at you. But if you say, can I give you a refund? They'll say no. But it goes a long way. So what I mean is there's an outsized value Placed on the guarantee, and I was shocked by that. What did you discover? I I, I discovered, and I'm always had a view that um, more isn't better, and so I kind of learned the value of simplicity, which is that most people don't want or need a hundred permutations of something, even though a hundred permutations of something might be available. 
And so I remember building a site, this is going to be totally random, but I remember building a site for a guy who had a kiosk in a mall that used to sell yo-yos. Uh, and, um, and I built him an e-commerce site and you know, he, had, he had like thousands of things. You could get all of these different permutations and colors and styles, and strings and, you know, all these things, but that really what people wanted. Um, you know, people want in some ways to be guided and helped and supported to figure out, you know, what, what they want. There's always an edge case to something where there's some aficionado who wants to customize every part of everything. But for the vast majority of people, um, people value simplicity, uh, and, and fewer you know, lack of decision. Just here's the beginner yo-yo that does itself. Yeah. Here's the one that lights up and here's the one here's, that's professional. Yeah. And here's, yeah. And here's, here's what most people are buying at your, you know, how do you make it easy for people to understand, um, and to get started? And I think we've tried to bring that the capsule with the experience of just making it, you know, there's so much information you could give somebody. And so really understanding like what's the right level, like what are people really trying to do? Do people really want, do people really want information or are they, are they asking for information to try to solve a different problem? So I try to understand, oh, that's interesting. Like, why did you ask for that? Because a lot of times people ask for something and then they're not asking for the thing they're asking you for. They're asking to try to, as a proxy to solve some other problem. So really, really paying attention and trying to understand, hey, what's the fundamental thing you're trying to do here? Because it might not be, um, it might not be the exact thing you asked for. It might be something totally different. You just don't know that that's like a part of the solution stuff that could be possible. Now, here's a random question. You guys are what? What's the revenue right now? This isn't the random question, but it's a follow up. Uh, hundreds of millions. Oh, you're doing hundreds of millions in revenue already? Yeah. I had no idea. First of all, I had no idea you were this big. Second, I had no idea you were in in as many cities as you were. How many cities are you in? Uh, we're in just under two dozen cities. I had no idea. I, I still thought you were much more local. Um, so the random question is you're so relaxed. You're so organized. You're so like the combination of chill in this conversation. And even in the conversation we had before and everything I've seen and getting a massive amount done in a very tough bureaucratic space. I'm wondering, do you have any like, um, like productivity techniques or anything that allows you to stay so freaking balanced and still be as productive as you are. Like, how do you become who you are? Yeah, I'm always looking for productivity hacks. I, I don't think I'll ever be as productive as, as I want to be. What do you got? Um, some of those. I, I think the, the, the one thing for me is the one thing, and this is cribbed, but I think that, I think that it, for me, it's, you know, how do I keep focused on what's the most important thing that I have to get done uh, and make sure that I'm, front and center, always focus on getting that done. Cause there is just an infinite number of things and you're an entrepreneur and you, uh, have a business and, and your own projects. And you know, there's an infinite number of things that come across your desk every day, but there's also like the one thing that you got to move forward to take whatever you're doing from where you are to the next thing. And so I just try to stay one focus on what that thing is. And I think one of the things I've been doing increasingly that's been really productive I try to make that commitment public to my team uh, so they hold me accountable to it. So you'd have accountability partners or an accountability partner that, you know, I think it's hard to be, there's a rare breed of person that can wake up every day on their own and go for a 10 mile run. I am not one of them. Um, but it's a lot easier if somebody, if you have a friend that you're going to meet uh, every morning at seven and you feel like you're accountable on letting that person down. So and and I think that's been a really good What's a focus for today or for this time in your life? Uh, one of the big focuses is I have um, really become 
you know, over the last six or 12 months, um, really focused on uh, this idea of how capsule works. And, and so the kind of, as I think about the evolution of the founder CEO role and my own role, you know, we, we talked a lot about that. The first, the first part of that being figure out the problem, build, you know, kind of be pretty hands-on on building that first product solution, get that the product market fit, start, you know, start distributing it. And then the second job becomes to build the team that can continue to, to scale that product. And then I think your role basically evolves into how do you build the company that can build the team that can identify the next set of problems and self-assemble those things. And so thinking about the company as a product, if that makes sense, yeah. and all of the features of the company. Um, and so that's something I'm pretty focused on as we, as we just grow in size, as we grow in complexity, as we grow in people and cities and markets and products, it's just making sure that a lot of the things we talked about, how do you, how do, how do you teach people that are onboarding in your company? Um, you know, same input, same outputs. Um, and how do you teach this idea of first principles thinking and getting to the root cause and asking why five times? And how do you teach people like the way to be productive uh, yeah. and to execute is to do one thing at a time and to stay laser focused on that? And what are the artifacts of all of the different things that we do in the company that will let us replicate those behaviors over time? Um, so that's kind of my number one thing. That's what you're thinking about now. How do I create the company that creates the user experience? And understand the next, yeah, and there's always going to be, you know, healthcare is so dynamic, it's changing. The consumer and the customer is always changing and dynamic. And so making sure that the company ultimately isn't about solving this problem today, but that it's a group of people that operate in a way that can tackle any problem that the external environment or the customer says, you know, is worthy of solving. And can do that replicably over time uh, is is the you know that's the machinery that um, I think that companies endure for you know many 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 generations. No, I feel like the one problem Capsule has is that you're so invisible in in our lives. Like, yes, your ads are everywhere and they're beautiful, but it's easy to not notice ads. I had no idea how big you were. I had no idea how like all the details of the business were were like put together. I'm glad that you're on here doing it. I have this whole new appreciation for what you've built. When people say it's a, it's more than a billion dollar company, I could introduce you as a unicorn, but I still don't get a sense of the size until I understand like how far you've come. I'm glad that you're here talking about it. Thank you. Thank you. That's a challenge actually with with all digital companies. Like you, you could even put like a cap. No, you can't put a capsule ad on or logo or something on top of the cars that drive around. You got medication. Um. So anyway. I, I'm glad your ads are good and I'm glad that you're out there and um, I'm so excited by what you built. Awesome. Well, I am too. Thanks for, uh, thanks for taking time to share the story. That, all right. Company is Capsule. I appreciate the two sponsors who made this interview happen. The first, if you're paying your people, go to gusto.com slash Mixergy. And the second, next time you're considering hiring new developers, go to lemon.io slash Mixergy. Eric, thanks so much, man. Thanks, Andrew.